Are you ready to be inspired, uplifted, and motivated to greatness? It's time for Star Style. Be the star you are. With your effervescent personal growth coaches, the Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and health specialist, Heather Brittany. Define your vision, discover your passion, and design your future in this power-packed hour of life-changing talk radio featuring authors and success experts dedicated to helping you achieve the results you deserve. Be entertained, edutained, encouraged, and empowered. Smile, have fun, and celebrate you. Explore your potential and embrace your possibilities with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on Star Style. Be the star you are, starting right now. Well, good day to all of you around the world. Welcome to our playpen. We are radio's <laughs> finest hour of power. It's Star Style. Be the star you are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are so happy to be your personal growth success coaches with you every single week. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by the La Mirinda Weekly Newspaper, proud sponsors of the Be the Star You Are and Express Yourself Teen Radio Show at the upcoming Wine and Pear Festival. For more information about the newspaper, visit LaMarindaWeekly.com. And for information about the Pear Festival, visit BTSYA.org and go to events. The Miracle Moment, it's a little bit of a funny one today, is hang in there. Even Moses was a basket case. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I like that. <laughs> I, isn't that good, Heather? I kind of needed that today because this entire month, it seems like it has been nothing but computer issues and car problems and, you know, one thing after another. And I think sometimes we need a little bit of humor just to help us hang in there because this is life, right? Things happen. <laughs> it's, it's like Forrest Gump said, manure happens. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, we, goodness. <laughs> We have a very interesting program for you today with uh, lots of history and practical advice coming right up in our Tea for Two and our Health Matters. Heather Brittany will be leading us in a discussion about el- elderly drivers and when is it time to actually take away the keys. That's a, that's a tough topic. And then I'm going to share some information on how to prepare yourself for fall fires because we are coming into the time of year when fires seem to be rampant throughout the country. And, you know, we never think it's going to happen to us, but be prepared. That's the best way. And in our final segment, Jennifer Niven is going to shed light on the role of women in World War II with her brand new novel just released yesterday. And uh, we get to be her first show, Becoming Clementine, and it is a coming-of-age tale tale about the adventurous young women who flew bombers and were actually spies and undercover in uh, World War II in France. And it's really a fascinating and fabulous thing. So when is it time to retire the car keys with an older driver? I mean, at what age? What are the reasons? And why should elder drivers stop driving themselves? This is something that scares me because I am like, and I'm sure, Heather, you think about this, too, even though you've got years to go. We are in our cars all the time, and I have to jump in and get somewhere and go. I can't imagine losing 
that privilege of driving. So, Heather, how do we broach this sensitive subject when we have someone in our family or a friend who is getting to that point and it's time to turn in the keys? Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's something as, as I slowly grow older and start saying that I'm celebrating, uh, you know, seven years since my 21st birthday, um, you know, I, I never really thought of 60s. Uh, I used to think 60s was old, and now I know many um, people in their 60s, and I, I, it's crazy to me to think that equals senior discounts now. But slowly the age uh, population, 65 and older, is becoming um, United States one of the highest growing populations, which is a good thing. It's showing that, you know, our elders are living longer. Um, we've also touched on, you know, the things from that. But as we know, our health, the things we can do at 20, you know, or the things we can do at 10, we can't do at 20, and so on and so on. And driving is one of them. And I think, you know, the a really hard subject to broach with someone because that was one of the greatest things when you're 16 years old, you get that license, and it means that sort of your first case of freedom, driving in a car, it's your way. Um, but slowly, you know, as we know, if uh, someone has ever been behind uh, an elder driver, they're going slow or all these things. And we want to talk today about, you know, when it's time to take away the keys, when it could actually be um, an endangerment. And I read this article about this family that was riding with their parents, their grandparents, and they, the red light was coming up, and they said, you know, hey, Grandpa, you know, so, like, there's a red light. And he just said, oh, there's no one here, and just slow, just kind of cruised through it. And though they survived, everything was fine. It made them realize, no, was this, does this happen often? Are they not aware of this? Um, Something surprising I want to say is that elders are actually some of the safest drivers, as you've probably been behind them. They tend to be more cautious, drive slower, be try to be more aware. But there's also things they may not be um, aware of. And how you can kind of tell, you know, signs, it's never an easy topic to approach. So, you know, kind of signs um, to be aware of and things that um, maybe there's unexplained dents in the car, um, you know, the, the garage door, the vehicle, the mailbox, little things um, that they not, might be aware of and not, may not be aware of and think, oh, you know, who, who did that to me? Um, showing poor judgment and intersections, um, getting lost. I mean, that's one thing, as we know, as the older we get, things we, our, our minds aren't as strong as they used to be. And, and sometimes, um, you know, if they start, if you're ever with an elder in the car and they seem, you know, lost, confused, or they're in familiar neighborhoods, but it's feels unfamiliar to them. Um, They feel uncomfortable or anxious behind the wheel. They have delayed response time. Those are things as a passenger in the car. Time is the big, you know, delayed response time is a big thing for elder people. Although, as you were saying earlier, as being safe drivers, I think insurance rates for older people are kind of the they are are less than almost any other. Age group, but continue on. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah, you. No, no, and all and, and you know, as we were saying, like having the talk. I have kind of five key points to bring it up because, um, as we know, driving is, is a big freedom, and to think that someone, um, you know, might might lose that freedom, it, it's kind of scary. So instead of having the talk, have an ongoing conversation um, with with elders about how they feel about driving um, because it's sort of, you know, scary. And sometimes when you feel there's an intervention, if you say, you know, gosh, grandma really shouldn't be driving anymore. We need, we need to, as a family, sit down. 
it didn't, uh, you know, go the opposite way. Was they feel everyone's ganging up on them and saying, you know, no one wants to be told you're a dangerous driver just because you drive. Um, so kind of, you know, checking in with your parents or your grandparents, saying, you know, uh, um, asking them, do you still feel comfortable driving at night? You know, ch- checking in with them, seeing how they feel about it. Also, um, sharpening your skills regarding solutions for it. Um, because everyone, if you're, if you're saying to them, you know, you're going to be taking away, or I don't know if it's how good it is for you to be driving at night anymore, discuss other options. You know, is there public transportation? Is there... You know, could they get a driver? Do they live close to other family members saying, you know, oh, you know, now, you know, you live just two blocks away. Sally can drive you to the grocery store if she needs to. Um, the big thing is, um, they, a lot of, um, you know, AAA, which I'm a member of AAA and I think is a fantastic, and this isn't a plug towards them, but I think it's a fantastic service that you pay, you pay a very small fee each year and they, you towing and all this, and discounts and all this stuff. Um, Who is they that that has, does that, Heather? Who who does that? You just you broke up oh, there for a second. Oh, sorry so, about that. Triple A. I'm saying triple oh, yeah, A. Oh, yeah. That's kind of auto club. club is, I think it's important. Yeah, it's it's not a plug towards them, but but I think they they have are fantastic fantastic company, and that you know, you pay a small fee that if your car breaks down they can tow all this stuff. But they also offer um, online assessment, um, which is uh, maybe not too many of your elders are online key, but you can print things out and just go over. Um, God knows, I, it's funny how you become, I, I know I drive some places in autopilot. You get so used to driving your same route every day, um, of becoming more aware. Um, you know, it's every couple of years they have you go in, you know, for uh, your license, but sometimes it, it can become a while. So, you know, discuss, again, discuss with your elders. You can print out these tests, have them, you know, see how they, they feel. Also, offer support. Maybe they have other friends um, that are in similar situations, um, you know, other friends or relatives that can help to drive them. And then, you know, plan on, um, you know, what to do after retirement. And, and sometimes, too, now you may have a car. Don't be quick to sell those things. It's all offering suggestions and knowing that one day you could be in that place. And um, I just think is no one wants to be an unsafe driver. And I think it's it's hard. It just just as with family members, sometimes you know everyone's health is so important. As I always stress on things, is the health our body is the only thing we will ever own. We will truly never own that car or that house. And telling someone you're concerned about them in regards to their health. Sometimes it's, it's all on the way you approach it without becoming, you know, so this someone won't become a defense. For example, you know, if you've noticed someone's been gaining a lot of weight, not in the, not in a superficial way, but you, now you're concerned maybe heart disease or diabetes runs in your family. You want them for a long time. You want them to be at a moderately healthy weight. The same thing goes with driving. Um, we all know you know, don't want to drink and drive. It's not just you. It's the other people on the road. So when someone has poor eye problems, they're an anxious driver. The older we get, different health issues arrive. You want them to be the safest driver for themselves as well as all the people around them. So it's just on the approach of talking with your elders, talking with your family, and really, you know, as a team, coming up with solutions. So that when you, and again, don't just, you know, intervention someone have these, uh, you know, talks that now someone's getting older, talk about with them, hey, you know, Mention, how, do you feel comfortable driving? I know, for example, our awesome grandma. She's so right. Like, I was just going to bring that up because we were yeah, talking I about think, that is, this weekend. Is, she's going to be 84, and she's an amazing driver, but she yes, has monitored but she, herself. Yeah, but she knows her. the great things is, 
she only drives during the, she doesn't like to go long distance, and she only drives in the day, and I feel safe when she drives, but she says she doesn't like to drive at night because she doesn't feel comfortable with other drivers, and I think that's awesome. So anytime she comes and sees us, she'll stay the night with us because she knows it's a long drive back up there, and that she gets tired and doesn't want to put herself or anyone else at risk. I think that's fantastic but she already without anyone ever having to she knows her own limits and i to me that gives me something to look for that an 84 year old she still is bit prior driving herself around takes herself into town um but also knows when she doesn't want to drive and i think that's something you know we all have to be honest with ourselves um at any age you know i for myself you know we just me is that i always had great vision and when I was working in, in medical, I was, we switched to electronic medical records and I was at a, com, you know, computers all day long. And that was putting such a strain on my eyes that when I was leaving the clinic at nighttime, my eyes were blurry. And I remember one night I had to pull that I, it turned out I have a slight stigmatism that, um, at nighttime I have, I, it is, it's literally glass. They are the silliest glasses, you know, the, the, the smallest prescription. But I have to wear them in order to drive at night because I don't feel comfortable driving at night. It's too bright for me. It's too blurry. So it's just well, being I think that's important that we all look at our limitations. And, again, I think what's in the, the best advice that you can give and that you have given here is having the discussion because, boy, that is a hard one. I, I know that we had... A friend, an elderly woman who literally, when she got in her car, she played bumper car all the way down the hill, hitting everything in her uh-huh. wake. You know, and although it was funny to talk about afterwards, it was very destructive. And the car and the keys obviously had to be taken away from her because she didn't even know she'd hit the cars. She just kind of, you know, bumped as she went. So it's really important for the safety of our loved ones, but also for other people, because exactly. that is, you know, we have to think of everybody else, too. Exactly. And, that, and that's the big thing, too, is, you know, having these open discussions and saying, you know, that you're concerned about them, as well as everyone, possibly, you know, there could be loved ones in the car, knowing you see, and being aware, if you're driving with them, being aware of these things and being comfortable, to, you know, to chime in with it and, and never coming off you know, offensive and saying, look, we don't think you should drive. Just asking them, how, you know, did you know? Because a lot of times they say, we drive in autopilot. I know when I drive from one place to another with routine, you know, we, we go places. I There's so many places I go. I don't even know the names of the street. I just know that you turn here, you turn here, you go there, you stop at this sign. And I feel like a lot of that gets this way. So it's always, you know, talking, having that open discussion, being aware of things, Communicating with others so that they feel the same way, communicating with your elders, finding plans so, so that they don't feel stranded. Because as we say that, you know, it's, I think a lot of times as we get older, um, it is a vulnerable feeling to think that you're losing some of your um, independence and you don't want to be dependent on others. So finding up the, finding these sort of backup plans for them since they don't have to feel that they're um, inconveniencing anyone else. Well, it's time to go to break, Heather. I but know, I always is that many communities actually have services, uh, buses and transportation services for your elderly uh, friends and relatives. So make sure to check in with your city offices, your community centers, or online because there might be services that are either free. Uh, or for very low cost that can make sure that 
Our wise elders have their independence, can get around, and are not a burden to all of us. Well, give out the websites. Another great, um, a great segment, as always. Yeah, we want you to go to BeTheStarYouAre.org as well as BeTheStarYouAre.com. Okie doke. And when we come back from break, we're going to do some fire prevention. So stay with us. We want to keep you safe. Today's a safe show. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back. have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take world talk radio on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market be the star you are light up the flame that burns Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org Be the lucky star Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. If you fear mistakes, you're bound to make them. Why? Because instead of playing to win, you are playing to lose. Taking the safe path leads you down the wrong path. If you're trying not to lose or not to make mistakes, you're going to come up short. This attitude becomes a crutch that will negatively affect your approaches. Change your mindset. Get your ideas down on paper and make a checklist. Mistakes are the first steps to moving forward. There's no progress without mistakes. Just do it. And failure is success turned inside out. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business fight. Visit StarStyleProductions.com. Or call 925-377-STAR for a personal consultation. Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com You can express yourself. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are, you are the star. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and motivated to greatness with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Turn up the volume 
Tune in to the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, back to the program with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. You'll find all you need. Well, I appreciate you staying with me. It was a great segment that Heather just gave on T for Two, Our Health Matters, about uh, when to retire the keys for our elderly. It's such a touchy subject, and it's something that we all are going to have to face at one time or another, and it's not just about car keys. We have a lot of other issues that we need to touch on, so open communication is always the case. A quick announcement is the ninth annual National Be the Star You Are essay contest will be starting soon. You can get a kind of a sneak peek right now by visiting btsya.org and go to events for information. And it will be beginning in the next couple of weeks. So on to our topic of getting ready and planning your personal uh, fire evacuation. You know, fire. What would you do if your neighborhood was engulfed in flames? I mean, we think it can't happen to us, but fire knows no boundaries. Every person needs a personal fire evacuation plan. And if you live in rural areas, areas, a wildfire evacuation plan. Uh, A fire prevention checklist is important to keep us prepared and safe in the event of the unimaginable. Now, the thought of actually planning for a fire, it, it can be very daunting, especially when your family's lives are at stake, right, and your animals. But, you know, it's like, where do you start? What do you need to know? Where can you go for help? These are just all some basic questions that you should be asking yourself, and the answers can make all the difference, literally, between life and death. The good news is, is that there are many resources already in place to help you out. Your local fire and police departments are likely to have plenty of basic information for free. You just need to stop by and pick up a brochure. Online resources such as Firewise Communities USA, you can go to firewise.org, are all in the business of providing you with help. The most important thing is you you want to get some of these suggestions uh, from the websites and uh, publications They're all going to vary a little bit in their approaches, but the bottom line is the fundamentals are the same, and it's critical to start developing a plan now. You don't want to wait for a fire to be licking at your front door before you take action. So let's start with the beginning. Where do you start, and where do you need to know? So again, a wealth of information is at your fire department, and you can also check the resources online. And what do you need to know? Well, knowledge is key. You have to have a basic understanding of fire's behavior when you write up your plan. For example, during high fire danger days, such as those you know windy red flag alert days that are seen this time of the year in fall, you can monitor Cal Fire's website if you're in California or just, again, firewise.org, anywhere else or your local media outlets for information on any nearby brush fires and wind conditions. If you live at the top of a canyon, be aware that farm fires normally run uphill, and they go much faster than on flatland. This means that you may need to leave early in case of an evacuation order. Smoke can also dramatically change the landscape. Now, once familiar landscapes, disappear in an instant, and you add darkness to that, and the game changes again. So you have to be ready to implement your emergency plan at a moment's notice. So here are some handy tips that 
could and will save your life. Number one, write up your fire action plan and post it in a location where every member of your family can see it. I keep a copy in my pantry, which is where we all look uh, when we want to find out what's going on. I have fire, uh, earthquake, and other evacuation information there, how to start up a generator, what not to do, etc. If your family is in multiple locations, you know, if your house is large or you have like an in-law suite or something, you may want to give everyone a copy of your plan and make sure that your children know what to do in case they're home alone when the evacuation notice comes. Do they know where they're going to meet up? Do they know who to call? Do they have the supplies? Now, what is your evacuation priority list? Now, before the need to evacuate arises, you have to make sure that you know what are the most important items to be taken with you. You want to make a list of only those that can be hand-carried and easily gathered. For example, perhaps some family heirlooms, some important documents, your computer, some cash, your pets, a little bit of clothing, definitely prescriptions and medical supplies, and any disaster supplies. So if what I've done now is put family pictures on discs, and I also have them on my computer. My computer would be the first thing that I would grab, as well as the, uh, a backup disc. But if you have family albums, you probably want to get them in a place that you would be able to grab quickly and have a suitcase readily available. You may find yourself and your family isolated for a few days, and then the American Red Cross recommends that every family have an emergency supply kit that is assembled long before an emergency occurred. And you can use this checklist to prepare your kit, and you can also go to redcross.org. So here are some things that you absolutely need. Five to seven day supply of water. You need one gallon of water per person per day. So remember, that's per person per day. And if you have animals, you're going to need that much more, too, for your animals. So don't don't forget your animals when you're planning the water. If you have a swimming pool, you can use your swimming pool for water. And you probably want to keep some chlorine or something like that on hand so that you can um, you can put that or, or Clorox so that you can uh, purify your water. You need non-perishable food for all family members and pets for up to five days. You want a first aid kit, flashlight, battery-powered radio, and extra batteries, an extra set of car keys, credit cards, cash, or traveler's checks. Sanitation supplies. You know, we forget about those, but those are very important things. You need extra eyeglasses or contact lenses if you use them. Uh, have copies of all your important family documents and contact numbers. You want to have a map and mark it with evacuation routes. And again, if you have people in different parts of the house, you should give everyone a copy of this. Your family photos and other replaceable items, irreplaceable items, all your special medications and your prescriptions, easily carried valuables. Now, I don't really have valuables, but for those of you who have jewelry and things, you might want to have it in a place that you could grab it quickly. I mean, that would be the least of my my concerns. But, but for those of you who are concerned about that, you want to be able to carry it. Your personal computer, a hard drive, a disk, a bask, backup disk, chargers for your cell phones and laptops. Remember, you probably uh, will be out of, uh, you might be out of touch for several days. 
you may still have electricity, you may not. Uh, if, if you have a generator, you need to know how to run it, and you need to have gas for your generator. Note, you should keep a pair of old shoes and a flashlight handy in case of a sudden evacuation at night. And in an earthquake emergency, you got to watch for broken glass. That's one of the things that I learned a long time ago, and I keep a pair of tennis shoes underneath my bed just in case. Here are some other tips. You want to rotate your food cache every 6 to 12 months. You want to donate your excess food to just a local food bank. And even though I'm not a person to eat canned food, like Heather and I were talking about nutrition and men's food last week, and um, it's many people eat a lot of canned food that has a high sodium level, you do want to have some canned goods around just for emergencies. And then again, rotate them out and donate them every 6 to 12 months. Also, this is such an important one, and my husband is really bad at this. Although I grew up, growing up on the farm, we always made sure to have our tanks full. We never let our gas tank fall below half a tank. In the um, the guides for fire or earthquake, it says never let it go below a quarter. But I will tell you, in the 1989 earthquake in San Francisco, I had a um, almost a full tank of gas. And after 14 hours of trying to evacuate from San Francisco, I ran out of gas. So and gas had to be siphoned to get me out of the city in that fire and earthquake. So I just want to say, you know, never let your your car be lower. My husband tends to run on fumes and thinks he's going to have an angel on his sh- uh, shoulder. But in case of emergency, you want to have gas. When the earthquake happened in 89, uh, and all the electricity was out. All the gas stations, they were all shut down. Our, our gas was shooting up from the top, the, from streets, etc. So you don't know what's going to happen. Make sure you have a designated location to meet up with family members. Call someone outside of your area to let them know your status. And also, very important, take an emergency preparedness course with your local Red Cross or your fire department. Um, whenever you can, and you should also take um, take CPR because we never know if we're going to have a medical professional around us, and it might be up to us to ha- be the medical professional. Of course, here in the United States, remember for fire, police, and medical, you can dial nine one one, and you will be able to get to um, some professional. Although, if in an emergency. Everything is out in, and cell service could be blocked. You want to be ready for that. You should also have phone numbers for the American Red Cross in your database, the Humane Society for your animals, and also for your gas and electric company. And uh, on your wall, make sure you keep those contact numbers uh, for, for um, the people that you need most. So these are just some uh, some tips if you would uh, if you want to be ready for your personal fire evacuation. So get into the community spirit in words and in action, and make sure that your family will be safe. Uh, now, on another note, I just want to um, to ask you to invite you all to invest $100 as a tax-deductible donation to Be the Star You Are charity, which will provide $600 of brand-new books 
to any organization, shelter, school, or charity of your choice. In addition, we will acknowledge your generous contribution in our newsletter and in our website. So one person can make a difference, and that person is you. We hope that you will donate today, and you'll help increase literacy, decrease violence, and improve positive messages through the efforts of Be The Star You Are charity. If you would like to make a donation online, you can go to btsya.org to make your donation uh, and just click on the PayPal or you can always go to bethestarur.org and click on donate and you will see the PayPal information. So thank you so much for your support and thanks for helping Be The Star You Are and for all the teens that we are mentoring. I also just wanted to mention that once again, that the La Mirinda Weekly newspaper is sponsoring the Be The Star You Are and the Express Yourself Teen Radio Show booth this week at the Pear and Wine Festival, and we really are grateful to them for doing it. We have many teen volunteers from Be The Star You Are who have begun their writing career and are getting published at the newspaper, and this is such a great opportunity for young people to get published and to become writers. We know that many, many people are writers, and our next guest actually began her writing when she was just a little girl. So we'll find out more about that. But thank you very much for sponsoring the booth, and for all of you out there who would like to make a donation to a fabulous charity who is making a difference in the world and helping our teens grow and be leaders, go to bethestarur.org. Well, when we come back, From break, we're going to go behind enemy lines in Paris in 1944, France, in Becoming Clementine with Jennifer Niven. Do not go away. This is such a wonderful novel. It's riveting. Stay with me. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. Back in a bit. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you are. 
Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Be the star you are. You are the star. Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, thank you so much for staying with us here on Star Style. Be the star you are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. Yay! And this is our power hour. Well, during wartime, women have worked behind the scenes without recognition and often scorned by men who are there and the women are helping the win the cause. Well, two of Jennifer Niven's female relatives were spies, one in the Revolutionary War, one in the Civil War. And one of these women, Jane Black Thomas, was actually a Revolutionary War hero. These women, along with their fascination with World War II, were part of the inspiration behind the writing of her fabulous new novel, Becoming Clementine, which is about a young aviatrix who gives up her identity to become a weapon of war. Jennifer Niven is with us here on Star Style. Welcome, Jennifer, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Well, congratulations. Your book just came out, and I'm really excited (laughs) to help you launch. Well, you are awesome, and I love that I'm going to do this the week that the book has come out. I know. Isn't that so much fun? Oh, it is. It's thrilling. (laughs) Well, listen, Jennifer, I read something about you. First of all, I read that your dream was always to be a Charlie's Angel. You are definitely (laughs) gorgeous enough. And with this background, I think you could definitely be a spy or a secret agent. So we'll uh, we'll let Hollywood know that you need to be in there somewhere, right? <laughs> but I also read that by the age of 10, you had written several songs, poems, plays, stories, picture books, <laughs> and that your agent even calls you one of the most compulsively writing writers ever. So give us a little bit of your background. How did you get started writing and What really was the impetus behind giving birth to Velvagine? Well, I love answering this question because my mom is also a writer, Penelope Niven, and she has been my inspiration since I was little. She's the one who's responsible for giving me writing time and, you know, encouraging me to write, which was always what I wanted to do, regardless of the fact that she was doing it. And so when I was growing up, we would have writing time and she would work at her big desk and I would work at my little one and I would create all these stories. And she just, you know, was just the biggest inspiration. And that is so sweet. That's so sweet, Jennifer, because I love, you know, Heather, Heather is my daughter and we do the mother daughter show here. I love and it. I just I love it that mothers and daughters and daughters and fathers and sons and all of that. I just love it when family supports one another. And the fact that your mother did this has really launched you and given you permission to be the terrific writer that you are. 
Absolutely. And thank you for that. And, and my, you know, both my parents always encouraged me when I was, when I was little to be anything I wanted to be, do anything I wanted to do and don't, you know, ever sell myself short and follow my dreams. And so it's just, I'm so grateful The you know, the, the older I get, the more people I meet in this world, the more grateful I am for that experience. And actually Velvet Jean was born in a short story of my mother's years ago, some 25 years ago. And I was in film school years later, and I needed a topic for my thesis film. And I remembered this short story she wrote about a woman who teaches herself to drive in 1930s North Carolina. And I asked her if I could buy the right. So I did for a dollar. And the oh, I love your mother. I love your mother. <laughs> you won an Emmy with this movie, you right? We did. That's right. I did it. I was a student at the American Film Institute, and we won an Emmy Award for the film, and I was so proud of it, and I always knew I wanted to do more with Velvet Jean because I loved her character, and I didn't know what would happen with it, and then years later, here's a series of books. (laughs) Well, let's talk about Velvet Jean because, first of all, until I actually read your bio about growing up in L.A. and the whole Hollywood connection and blah, blah, blah. I actually thought that you had to be from South Carolina, um, uh, from the Carolinas because of, oh, sorry, because of the way I got so excited. I, I actually hit my microphone. I love, <laughs> I love this, the dialogue. You made Velvet Jean, her, her conversations, the way she talks. It's, it's just so real and it really is so Appalachian that I actually thought you were from this era and, you know, from this area, from the haulers, from the mountains, that's because you, you describe it so perfectly. Thank How you. did that all come about? Well, you know, my, my parents, my mom is from North Carolina and from a tiny little town outside Charlotte called Waxhaw. And my dad's people, my daddy's people, as they say in the South, um, were all from the mountains. And so I really drew on my roots. And, you know, I grew up in Maryland and Indiana, and then I've been in L.A. for, you know, longer than any other place I've ever lived. But I've always considered the South my home because that's where my family is. And I have a giant family on both sides. I'm an only child, but just my mother always made sure, especially she just thought it was so important to spend time with my roots. So I spent every summer with my grandparents, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles in North Carolina, in the mountains and in, you know, Waxhaw. And it was, I think it really helped when I was writing the book, I could channel that, you know, well, because you do, you do channel this because Velva Jean is coming from this area, her brother's coming from this area, and she relates kind of anything that's happening in her life to how she had already grown up. I mean, she grew up being able to shoot, you know, because her, her father had taught her that. She knew the, how to, to handle herself in the forest. She could get a rabbit. She could, she could, she was a survivor, <laughs> right? But right. let's, I want to get to the history part of it because you did draw on the fact that you have you had a very strong female role models in your life and your grandfather was in World War II although like most World War II veterans who really were in combat my uncles were the same they never talked about it yeah. and trying to get get it out of anybody it's was really, really challenging isn't it is really hard because i think what they witnessed was so brutal and so horrible and so horrifying but you brought that to life in your book becoming clementine because over and over we realize i mean velva jean says i want to be a weapon of war 
you know, she, she without really realizing, I think, what was going to happen to her. Exactly. But the men at the time were not willing to embrace the wasp uh, into their myths. You know, and that's something that I think today, as modern women, we forget how hard these women struggled to do what they did Absolutely. to help the forces. Absolutely. I think that's very true. And, and they were so so important in the war. I mean, in every capacity, you know, from the Red Cross and the whack and the waves to the WASP, which is, of course, what Velva Jean was, um, the women's Air Force service pilots. And they were just, and then on the ground and in bomber factories here in the U.S. and then abroad, you know, in the resistance, the women working with the French resistance and with the OSS, which was the predecessor to the CIA, being spies. I mean, there was just amazing the work that they did and they had to you know not only do a lot of the same work the men were doing but they had to do it with the prejudice that they were enduring from those men well one thing that you chronicled in becoming clementine and if you're just tuning in we are talking to emmy award-winning jennifer niven as well as she's an author of several books her latest one is in the norma jean i mean the uh, velvet jean series called becoming clementine is it clementine or clementine i I guess it depends where you're from huh clementine exactly you know I've, i've been calling it becoming clementine and i think you know a lot of people here have called it that which is totally fine but at the same time if it is french and it you know is supposed to be a french name it's her alias then right. Clementine is right. Right. So that's a that so she had to be Clementine when she was in France, but the song she was singing is Oh my darling, oh my darling, <laughs> right? It was from that song. It was from the song and that's why she had to lose her identity and become uh, become this spy in becoming uh, Clementine, Clementine in the French. But uh, getting to the fact of being a spy, which again in those days was the predecessor of um, uh, the OSS was the predecessor of CIA or even MI6 or any of these uh, spy mm-hmm. organizations. For a woman, it was even more dangerous because there was sabotage within your own ranks, which is something I never realized that women pilots actually died in planes because mm-hmm. the men had rigged them. They'd cut cables or did that was a, that's I, I didn't realize that till I read your book. Absolutely. And, and and so much of that, it's funny because I had a, a reviewer say, you know, I really enjoyed the book, but it was just so unbelievable. <laughs> and I said, well, the thing is, actually, all of that history that's in there is true. I mean, I based that on real stories and real events. And I interviewed WASP, you know, the WASP, the w- members of the WASP when I was writing. And those things happened. I mean, they would pour sugar in the gasoline, you know, tanks and they would, as you said, cut cables and things like that so that the women, if they were flying and they didn't realize they hadn't checked out the plane, they um, they would crash. And there were a number of women who lost their lives because of it. You know, and it's interesting because men were in short supply during this whole war effort, yet so many men felt threatened by women as if they were taking away their jobs. Yes, that's absolutely true. And and the women were, they were, I mean, some of these organizations, the WASP and others were created to help, you know, in the absence of men, but then the very men that they were helping to replace or they were trying to assist were, of course, not happy about them being there. Well, and something else that really hit me in the story and when you read history, and I'm a huge history buff having majored in 
history is the fact of how young everyone is. I mean, if you were 30, that was really old. I mean, yeah. uh, Velvet Jean is 21 when the story begins, correct? And then, I mean, she's already a pilot. And yeah. you have her being the second female to cross the Atlantic. And it's 22 when the war effort's over. So That's do you right. think that youth had something to do with the bravery and this, you know, unstoppable decision to, to help? I think, I think youth and I think also, you know, the fact that it was wartime. And I think, you know, not having lived through World War II, I, I, I talked to my mother about it. She was very young when it was, when it was happening, but she was just talking about the way the country felt and the way you felt at the time. And she was saying, of course, someone would do what they could. It was just, you know, you wouldn't think twice about it, in other words. So you wanted to do your part, is absolutely. what everybody wanted to do their part. Well, at the very end of, I mean, of course, I'm not giving away anything here, but I love this that you said, is there's this one paragraph towards the end of the book that says, the thing that kept running through my mind was, what will happen to me if he dies? I wasn't anyone's daughter. I wasn't anyone's wife. I wasn't anyone's mother. I was a weapon of war. Talk mm. to us about that. Well, I think that, you know, part of part of the story for Velva Jean is the fact that she's really trying to figure out who she is. I mean, she's spent the first two books really, really blossoming and growing and going out into the world and, and figuring out who Velva Jean was once and for all. And I think in this story, there's this whole push-pull of, of wanting to be a weapon of war, wanting to be of service, wanting to help. But then at the same time, you kind of lose yourself. And, of course, she had to take on someone else's identity completely. So I think it was, you know, just not knowing what her place was anymore after all of that, uh, just feeling kind of lost. I love the way that you wove into the story many things from the past history of your family, too. For example, the um, the finger, the middle finger from your grandfather. I caught all these little nuances. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad you did. I did. I did. I I happen to be one of the those hosts that actually do read the book oh, cover I love to cover. That. It's rare. I have to tell you, it's more rare than you would think, and I deeply appreciate it. Well, I really love that. I mean, I don't want anybody on the show unless I'm going to enjoy their book or at least read their book. Whether I enjoy it or not is a different story, but (laughs) I want to read their book and make sure that I understand where they're coming from. But this one, Becoming Clementine, is just so touching because there's love, there's romance, there's intrigue, there's the spies, but more than anything... I really felt like I was in war-torn Europe. I really felt I was fighting for my life and for everyone else's life. I was, I was frightened at times and yet I knew I had to go forward. It, did you, did you realize what you set out to do in writing this book? I, I hope I did. I think I did. I, it was a tough book to write because you know, obviously I didn't live through World War II and I did not live through World War II, especially in occupied France. So, it, you know, so much of it had to come from research and talking to people who were actually there and just trying to conjure, you know, what that was and try to make it as realistic as possible. Even, you know, though it's fiction, I still want it to feel real. And I want, you know, I, I try to write, I think part of it is my film school background, but I always try to write visually and cinematically I want it to be accessible, and I want the the reader not just to read it, but to see it. 
Well, I didn't just see it. I lived it. I mean, it's like I did live. I lived in France and I lived in Holland. And so I do eat with my left hand still. And my family thinks, you know, they think I'm a little weird. It's like, you know, why are you? I don't know. I'm but and and I like that whole idea of you don't sleep anywhere where there's not two exits. Yeah. You know, you're not going to keep your back to the door. But I there were also the fun elements that you put in it. I mean, they're not. It's not that they were fun, it's that they're real, is that yeah. the button on her dress was a compass and that, the, you know, the lipstick that could fire a bullet. Uh, <laughs> right. We had all these these things that just transported us. Well, I would like to ask you one thing. How have these novels really impacted the lives of your fans? And also, how has the response been from the people, especially the women who are alive today, who lived through this and were part of our uh, this this history and this this incredible war experience? Oh, I, I love answering both those questions. And and I, the first to answer the first one, I've heard from um, everyone from cancer survivors to um, young women who've. Uh, left abusive relationships to just people who had a dream once a long, long time ago and then, you know, kind of put it aside because of everyday life, which happens, who said, you know, it really encouraged them. Velvet Jean inspired them and, you know, inspired them either to keep going or to survive or to be tougher, to be stronger or to you know, realize or go after a dream that they forgot they had. And I, I love hearing that it is so rewarding because it just, it just makes, that's the best thing I can ever hear. Well, Becoming Clementine is the name of the book. The author, Jennifer Niven, N-I-V-E-N, her website, jenniferniven.com. You have to go there, see all her other books. Very quickly, because we're running out of time, Jennifer, what's next? Or what are we going to hear next from Velva Jean? I can't wait. Well, she just, I just finished the last, well, not the last, but I just finished the fourth novel. So it'll be the sequel to Clementine. And that will be out next year this time. And in it, she goes to Hollywood in 1945. Oh, oh, this is right <laughs> up your alley. You, this, one is, this one has to be so much fun. Well, I guess eventually she'll have to be a Charlie's Angel. You have been, <laughs> you have been so much fun, Jennifer. I'm really glad that. You were on the show, and I hope you'll come back next year for our Hollywood one because we love show business here. I would love to, and thank you so much. This was absolutely wonderful. Oh, Jennifer, so great. (laughs) I'm looking forward to the movie, Becoming Clementine, and you'll have to have Heather audition for it because Uh, she is down there, and she actually works with the American Film Institute, too, so... That is so cool. (laughs) Anyway, you were just great. Thank you very much. JenniferNiven.com. Check it out. There are many books that you are going to love. Absolutely all of them. All of her, um, all of her. Velva Jean, obviously, of course. But then there's the other ones, the Ice Masters, the Aquanet uh, Diaries, and Ada Blackjackets, and more. So, Jennifer, thanks for being on Star Style. Be the star you are. And we will talk soon. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks to all of you for being great listeners. I know we're running over. Thanks for Matt for orchestrating this and everyone at Voice America. Make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org or BTSYA.org. And until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, 
and smiles keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I thank you and I encourage you. Be the star you are. We'll play again next week. Thank you for tuning in every week for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Our goal is to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to reach for the stars and shine brightly. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. You're invited to our Power Party next week and every week right here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel with the dynamic duo, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, our health hero, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers on the planet. We'll pour more champagne for the spirit with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until we play again, be the star you are. You.